Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Community of Hope again. It's a delight to have you guys with us. I want to give a special shout out to all the Community of Hope tribe and anybody who is joining us as a guest. We're honored to have you with us in this time. Hey, before I uh, get into my message that I'm really excited about uh, talking to you about today, and I think God's going to meet us in this word, I want to shout out a couple things. One is Hope University. Uh, You heard Beth mention that earlier. Uh, That's coming up this Sunday. We are so excited about this. You know, a lot of churches right now this season, what we're doing is we're innovating. This is where we are. This is where we're finding ourselves. And we are one of those churches that believes we've never closed at all. We're just kind of managing and doing some things differently in the season. And so what we're going to be doing is offering this uh, nine-week class, Hope University. This is going to be a world-class experience, world-class faculty I'm excited about. I'm speaking so world-class, I, I can hear the rumble of, of laughter right there. But even beyond that, here I want to tell you who we got coming. We got Dr. Vic Copan. We got uh, Nathan and Kathy Maxwell. I've reached out to some of my friends at, uh, at uh, Asbury Theological Seminary. We got uh, Tim Tennant, who's the president of Asbury Seminary. He's going to be teaching to us about world Christianity. We got uh, Dr. Ben Witherington is going to be te- teaching to us about the apocalypse Imagine that. We've got Dr. Steve Siemens, who's going to teach to uh, to us about spiritual warfare. I am so pumped about these weeks together. Limitation to 300 folks online. So first 300 get to be a part of this. So we want you to jump in on that, kicking off this Tuesday. I'm pumped about that. Here's what I want to say. What else you got going on? I mean, you're sitting at home. You are binge watching reruns of Green Acres. I know that's exactly what you're doing. You got time on your hands. We want you to do this. Okay, secondly, I want to tell you about this. I'm pumped about this too. Next week, we're starting a new series. We're calling the series Together. And I don't know if you noticed the grammatical little play on words there, Together. How many of you right now are experiencing a little bit of, you know, like too much together time? And some of us are, are in that zone. I think about that even in my own family, like a few weeks ago, I don't know what it was now. We're on week, I don't even know what week we're in in this. Uh, We were about a month or so in and I told Beth uh, one afternoon, I was feeling just all self-satisfied around everything that was going on, you know, in her own house. And we had, you know, we'd cleaned out every closet. We had categorized everything in the freezer. I mean, we were feeling really stoked about what we were doing and how we're addressing this pandemic. And I told Beth, I said, you know what? I I feel like we're doing really good at this. I mean, we're, 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 we're doing good. And my wife, this is her response to me. She says, you know, for the most part, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, for the most part, you know, and I could hear that little qualifier in there. And it, it just, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to work my way through my feelings related to that. And if that's you, we're going to be talking about this uh, next week in our series. I am pumped about this. We're going to um, move into this space. We're going to do a little relational work. And we're going to talk to you about some promises that are in the scripture and primarily focusing on uh, our relationships through the lens of what the Apostle Paul would say to us uh, in the book of Ephesians. So uh, I'm excited about this. I hope that you'll join uh, with us next week. All right, so today what we're going to do is we're going to bring to a close 
uh, our uh, series we've been calling Amaze. Here we are at week seven. I can't even believe that we're that far along. So I want to encourage you to grab your uh, Community of Hope app, grab your notes, grab your Bible, grab your friend, grab whoever you need to. And we're going to close out the series. We're going to look at one more story where people encountered or experienced an aspect of Jesus' life. And they were amazed. Maybe it was his character, maybe it was person, maybe it was his words, his authority, the way he forgave, all these many different things that we've talked about. But, but there are these different passages in the Gospel of Mark where they encountered some aspect of Jesus' life or some aspect of his person, and they were amazed. And this weekend, uh, I want to take us to uh, our final one, and we're going to take a moment and we're going to look at some teaching around a story that happens in Mark chapter 15. And what I want us to focus on uh, this weekend is these 15 verses right at the beginning of this chapter. It's going to sound a little familiar, and so listen closely. Mark says this, Very early now in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. Now this is when they were planning to uh, betray Jesus and, and crucify Jesus. And so they were making plans around that. And this is what it says. So they bound Jesus, they led him away, and they handed him over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? Asked Pilate to Jesus. And the Lord replied, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And so again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still made no reply. And here it is. And Pilate was amazed. Now it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom the people requested. And a man called Barabbas was in prison uh, with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the uprising. And the crowd came up and asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did in this time. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate, knowing it was out of self-interest that the chief priests had handed Jesus over to him. So he was kind of, he knew what was going on here. And then uh, the, Mark continues and he says, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead. What shall I do then with the one you call the king of the Jews, Pilate asked him. Crucify him, they shouted. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And then in that moment, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed Jesus over to be crucified. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so thankful for your word that in this day and in this season is still relevant to us. Even these stories that we read, that we learn from, there's so many things here, God, that have application, uh, you know, power in our lives. And in this difficult story, Lord, the same is true. And God, would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit wherever we are uh, participating and worshiping you in this service and in this time. And would you, would you come right now? And what I would ask is that you would give us the capacity, Lord, not to allow this passage of Scripture to just remain familiar enough that we might miss its deeper meaning for our lives, even right now in this season. 
Come and do something new. Come and do something fresh. Come and do something, Lord, life-changing for me and for all who are listening. This we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So here's what I want to say about this passage for a few moments. First of all, I want to say this. This is difficult to read. And I want to say that because I think for me, whenever I read these encounters of what Jesus went through to secure our you know, forgiveness and the release of our shame and the, the promise of eternal life, you know, um, this, what foreruns into all of that victory is a difficult encounter and a difficult story. And, uh, you know, I know that on this side of religious history, we can look at this and we know that this is the dawning of our own personal reformation, right? I mean, this is the moment when we hear the sound of the defender walking toward our prison cell, keys in hand. And the freedom of sin and shame and death is uh, becoming real to us and is just around the corner. Uh, and But I, I want to say that before we do that, I, I want you to know what your pastor does. I always challenge myself to not rush too quickly to the victory side of that story. And I want to linger just for a moment in the tension, in the drama and in the darkness of what we read. It's something over the years I've just sort of disciplined my own life to do. And, and so when you read this story, it's heavy. It reads like the tragic testimony of a trusted friend. I imagine if you're like me, that there's been a moment where you've sat with a friend somewhere who's told you a really different, difficult part of their journey. And there's a moment where I think almost a sense of sacredness comes around that. I, I, I've been in conversations before, not even just as a pastor, certainly as a pastor, but I've been in conversations before as a friend, and I've had people tell me something difficult and dark and deep in their lives, and they've said to me before, I've never told anybody this. And there's this moment where we just sit in silence together. I can remember years ago, maybe I've shared this, when, when my father passed away, and a friend of mine in town, he pastoring another church and called me up. He'd heard about it. And he just, he just reflected on that experience with me. He'd lost his dad also. And I, and I shot him a text back and I, I thanked him and he said, how about a cup of coffee? And I'll never forget this because uh, my friend Larry and I sat down for a cup of coffee and, and we talked and, and he asked me to tell him the story of my dad's passing. And as I sat there and, and told him the story at Starbucks, trying to hold it all together. I'll never forget this big tear formed on, in, his, in his left eye and just ran down his cheek, ran off of his beard. And I've never forgotten that. And it was just a moment where two grown men sat together talking about a dark moment in the life of one of the two at the table, and there was just this sense of sacredness around it. And whenever I read... You know, these stories like this, this is, this is certainly that moment. Um, we try to imagine the heaviness. We try to imagine what it felt like for Jesus and for his disciples. Luke tells us this was a particularly dramatic moment for the Lord. In fact, 
Luke goes on to describe that, that right before the betrayal, when Jesus was even praying that the cup would pass him, that these great drops of sweat formed in this, you know, that formed almost like drops of blood on his face that just fell down his beard. You know, medical doctors tell us there's a word for it. They call it hematohydrosis. It's an actual condition. And so we know that Jesus was uh, challenged and in a dark and difficult time. And, and, and I know the disciples felt this way, way too. But I want to tell you, here's another thing that I always think about a passage like this one. It's familiar. And sometimes that's a curse. It's a curse because we can almost become so familiar with a passage of scripture or particular story or particular something going on in a journey that we, we don't give it the attention it really deserves. And, and here's the thing I want to challenge us this weekend. I, I want to challenge us, even in what seems like a familiar passage of scripture, I want to challenge us in a different way. And I want to move the story in a different direction because there's something right in front of us that I, I think really is amazing that I want us to talk about. It's a perfect way to wrap this series up. And for a moment uh, today, I don't really want to talk about Jesus' sacrifice as beautiful and as glorious and as powerful as it is. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about his self-sacrifice and what we see embedded in that. And if you're noticing in the story, it, it, it's kind of interesting because I see it first uh, in, in in particular, it's embedded in the story, particularly around verses three through five. And, and this is where we get the word amazed. And I want you to notice what it says. It says, the chief priests accused him of many things. And so again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? I mean, you see what everybody's saying about you? Don't you have anything to say about that? And the things they're accusing you of. And then it says this in verse five, but Jesus still made no reply and Pilate was amazed. He said nothing. He didn't correct. He didn't object. He didn't defend. He didn't justify. They were amazed. And I want us to think about this for a moment. When I was growing up, I want to tell you something shocking about me. Every now and again, my mouth would get the better part of me. And I know right now you're thinking, man, I, I can't believe that of Pastor Dale. I know it's shocking. But, but every now and again, I would, I would, it would get ahead of me. And I remember when I was growing up, there'd be times, and, and there was a phrase in my house that my dad would use every now and again, when I would say something I shouldn't say, or I would challenge something back, and my dad would lay a law down, and he would, he would look at the boys, he would look at us, and he would say, and, and, and Dale, I don't want to hear any of your lip. This is what he would tell me. I still remember it. And, and, and so when I read this passage of Scripture, I'm, I'm kind of amazed in this moment that Jesus, you know, he didn't, he didn't offer any lip. He didn't defend. He didn't justify. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't manifest his power like he could have, but he took it. He was humble. He was a servant. And he manifested his power in that moment in self-sacrificial love. And this is what I'm driving at. Think about this. Pilate was amazed with Jesus 
Because the kingdoms of this world acquire and exercise power over others. But Jesus demonstrated in this moment that the kingdom of God, which he incarnated and modeled, advances by exercising power under others. It expands by manifesting the power of self-sacrificial, other-centered love. And this should motivate us. When Paul was writing about what was so captivating about Jesus, he writes in Romans chapter 5, and we as a church family and what we've been reading in our devotional time, many of us going through the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 5, I read it recently just again for the millionth time. He says this, you see, Paul says, for just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ himself died for the ungodly. And then he goes on, and this is what he says. He says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, it was Christ who died for us. Now, here's what I want us to think about this weekend for just a moment or two. What I'm really getting at is this. I think, I think, in fact, I should say it more strongly, I believe that if you and I are living our faith correctly, what Jesus modeled for us here is to be one of the leading growing characteristics of our own faith, that we learn to be humble, that we learn to exercise power under, that we learn to serve others rather than serve ourselves. This is, this is I think, in essence, really, what Pilate was amazed at. I mean, in that intense moment when he has been betrayed into the hands of sinners, in that intense moment when, when Jesus clearly could see the road marked out for him was the road of crucifixion. And, and this was his one guaranteed opportunity to defend himself. He stepped back, didn't say a word, and stepped the, into the ultimate will of God the Father. While we were still sinners, Christ stepped up and died for us. I remember one time when I was younger in my faith that someone described it to me that when we call ourselves Christian, that that means one definition of that is that we become like little Christs. And, and, and they didn't mean that like in a, you know, in a deity, godlike kind of a way, but that our life, that our character, that our motivations, that everything about us would, would, would take on this holiness and that our lives would be transformed by the power of what God has done for us in that moment of self-sacrifice. Pretty challenging stuff. It, it's interesting to me because... Um, I know that this, I was reading not long ago, that in the last decade or so, our, our nation and our world hasn't experienced really a surge in atheism so much as it has experienced, listen to this, a slow migration away 
from religion. In fact, one writer says it this way, many of us in the church grew up thinking that our religion, if I could say it that way, is the solution. Many of us still believe that. But, but here's, the, here's the challenge. Many in our world today view our religion as the problem. And I think if you burrow into that, here's what I think you're going to find. You're going to find the absence of the quality you and I are talking about right in this moment. The leading characteristic of our faith as we, as we grow must be that we grow down into servanthood. That we grow down into humility. That we grow down into self-sacrifice. And if you think about it, the people that have most influenced our lives are the people whose very character exemplifies that. Jesus was such a great model. And this is such a familiar story, and and I, I don't want it to become so familiar that we miss, I, I think, what is such a powerful teaching for us in this space. I had someone describe it to me as this way. Our religion, honestly, it's the religion of the towel and the basin. It's the religion that sets aside the power that recognizes that the coming kingdom isn't gonna win the world by force. It's going to win the world by servant-hearted sacrifice. And i got to tell you something. I, I see it emerging in the church in these days. But I want to tell you, honestly, what makes me sad. It makes me sad sometimes that I feel like it took a pandemic to kind of coach some of it out. So here's my challenge to you. This is, this is a moment for us to reorient our lives around what it means to be a servant, what it means to, to, to not think about our own interests like Paul said in Philippians 2, but, but that we would think about the interests of others, taking on the very form of Jesus who became a servant to all. Paul would later write these words. He said, the only thing that counts is faith manifesting itself in love and in acts of service toward other people. Beth and I have been praying each day a devotion and a prayer, and and the prayer has three rhythms to it. Uh, The prayer invites us that we would be true to the Lord Jesus Christ in every way and in every part of our lives. It it invites us to be kind to every single human being that we meet. And it invites us to pray for the lost because there are a lot of us who have lost our way and Jesus wants to bring them home. And maybe you're listening right now and you're one of the ones that the Lord wants to bring home. And maybe you, your experiences run into people who manifest, you know, kind of a, 
you know, a, a, an acknowledgement of their Christian faith, but they haven't manifested a lifestyle that looks like Jesus, set that aside and take a fresh look at the Lord that we've just spent the last few moments worshiping together. Well, I want to close our time in prayer, and I'm going to pray the prayer that Beth and I have been praying every day. I'm going to pray it over you. And I pray that you will pray along with me and that you will step into this wonderful moment that we might become better servants of the people around us. Would you join with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this space. And I I ask God that you would, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to live this day to the full and that we might be given the power, O God, to be true to you in every single way. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to give ourselves away to others and that we might be kind to every person we meet. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us love the lost and that we would proclaim Christ in all we do and in all we say. For we pray together in Jesus' precious name and everyone together said, amen. So here's the thing. Uh, If you are wanting to learn more about how to have a relationship with Jesus, especially this kind of Jesus, here's what I want to ask you to do. Text the word next to the number on the screen and we will connect with you and help you begin to navigate your first steps uh, in a walk with the living God. And I want to invite you personally to join us next week. You'll find us right here. This is what we're doing right now. And I pray favor and blessing and every good thing over you and your family. Go in his peace. See you soon.